three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglore. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to preview the Bears-Falcons game coming up on Sunday in just a moment. Plus, a brand new interview today with Benjamin Albright, a national NFL insider and the host of Broncos Country Tonight, and KOA 850 in Denver. Talk with him extensively about some Bears football, Broncos football, national NFL news, and so much more. Benjamin is always a great guest. You don't want to miss this interview. It comes up near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Z Clue. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportstalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this. I think everything is on the table here. I mean, if you lose to Detroit in the fashion in which you did, I cannot predict with certainty what's going to happen for the rest of the year for the Bears. They were up by 14. They were expected to win. Detroit is much worse than Chicago. And yet, the Bears lost. They blew it. So please forgive me if I'm wrong on picks moving forward or if I don't know how to pick moving forward. Don't blame me. Don't shoot the messenger. This is the Bears' fault. So when it comes to this weekend, although the Bears should win, although the Bears, in my opinion, have more talent and are a better team than Atlanta, I don't know if they're going to win. I have my doubts, and I actually think, at the end of the day, it's going to be another loss for the Bears. Now, one thing that's really going to hurt them moving forward is Leo Herbert's on the IR. He won't come back till December. That is a huge loss. The Bears are going to have to rely more on David Montgomery and, believe it or not, Justin Fields to carry more of the run game. That's going to be difficult. That will cause problems offensively. When you don't have a six-yard per carry running back in the game anymore, it helps out the defense sniff out more runs and passes. See, Herbert was underrated to me. Being able to run for six yards per carry all the time as a running back, not a quarterback. And coming in at certain times, mixing it up with David Montgomery and Justin Fields, it really helped out the Bears' offense. Why wouldn't it? You got three bona fide running backs, all of them playing on separate snaps, separate downs. I mean, it throws off the defense so much, and the Bears' run offense is number one in football. A lot of that was because of Khalil Herbert. Averaging six yards per carry. Now he's gone. This is going to hurt the Bears' offense much more than people think. I know David Montgomery's still there. I know he's the consensus 
number one back. He could run and he could pass block and catch. He's a more dimensional running back compared to Cleo Herbert, but he's struggling in gaining yards per carry. Without that element of speed and quickness that Herbert brings to the table, the Bears' offense, the Bears' run game specifically, is going to be easier to sniff out if you're a defense. It's going to be harder for the Bears to call play action, call rollouts. It's going to be harder for them to decoy at running back. This does affect the Bears' offense a lot. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. This is a tough blow for Herbert and for the Bears. Herbert was having a great year, too. That will affect the Bears this weekend, and moving forward, it will. Now, the positive for the Bears is, at least defensively speaking, Cordero Patterson's also hurt for the Falcons. He served as their running back this year. Now they're relying on a backup. Relying on somebody named Tyler Algaier. Backing up, I started four games on the season with 443 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. Remember, they got Marcus Mariota, too, who can also run the football. These two teams are pretty similar offensively, believe it or not. I think Justin Fields is way better than Marcus Mariota, but the fact is both guys are quarterbacks who could also run, who have passed to do a better job, Fields recently, taking care of the football. It's going to be a very similar game offensively. Both offenses have their star running backs hurt. So I think it's going to be another toe-for-toe type game. I am not expecting this to be a blowout. Just because I don't think the Bears are going to win doesn't mean it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be a close game from the first snap. I really believe it. Like the Lions game was. Just like other games the Bears have been in but lost. The Commanders game, another. The Giants game. To the Bears' credit, which I don't think people give them enough credit, their record really doesn't show how good they played all year. The Bears should be a popular team right now. And we're talking about three games they should have easily won. Giants, Commanders, and now Lions. All three of those games the Bears should have won. All three of them, they were in it. They were leading at some points. Those were the games they should have won. They could be in a wild card spot today if they had won those games. Everybody wants them to tank and get a new draft pick. I would say, hey, they won those three games. We'd be talking about a playoff team. We'd be talking about so many different things surrounding this Bears team that we're talking about rebuilding and tanking still. So this will be a close game, no question. It's not going to be a blowout. If anybody tells you it's a blowout, they're wrong. This is going to be close. The Bears may actually have a lead a couple of times in this game. And I would say, if last week didn't happen, I'd be picking the Bears all the way on this. How could you not? Atlanta sucks. Anybody can tell you what they want. Atlanta sucks. And their defense is not good. They're 27th in the NFL in defense giving up 25 points per game. They're just like Detroit. This is a carbon copy of last week, except even more so because the offenses are exactly the same. But what happened last week? Well, Ambrose Santos misses a PAT. Justin Fields threw a pick six. Too many penalties, undisciplined, and the Bears blew the game, couldn't close, couldn't execute. They lost. The Bears should have won that game. And had they won, I would have picked them to beat Atlanta, but I really don't think they're going to win this one. If they do, prove me wrong, great, but how could you pick them here after what happened last week? This is a team that cannot close games, and you know what, that's okay. You have to learn that strategy, but I will say this, it really looks like they are tanking. 
I think it's sad. I think it's pathetic. Tanking is not good to me. I'm not a big tanking guy at all, but the Bears, it seems like, are trying to do it. You don't just lose to Detroit, okay? You don't just lose to the commanders of the Giants. You don't do that. When you had leads all game, when you've been in the game all game, one of those three the Bears should have won, and last week specifically the Bears should have won. So I'm not going to pick them to win in a game that's similar to those three. The Bears should win this game. They're better than Atlanta. They have more pieces, more weapons. Justin Fields is way better than Marcus Mariota, but are they going to win? I say no. They're going to find a way, like they did last week, to not execute and lose, or quote-unquote, secretly, tank. I whisper it because you can't say it out loud. They're going to try and lose this game, and they probably will, and that's fine. I mean, the whole goal anyway is going to be Fields' development. I think Fields is going to have a great game and a field day, no pun intended, against this horrible Atlanta defense. I mean, 27th in the NFL in defense. They've given up 25 points per game. They scored 23, though. I mean, their offense isn't horrible. They're 12th in the NFL, similar again to the Detroit Lions. Lions last week entering play were 12th. Guess they've moved up now after the Bears game. Now Atlanta is occupying that 12th spot. But Atlanta's defensive attack is not good. This is going to be a prime opportunity for the Bears to put up more points for Justin Fields to get more comfortable. I'm curious to see how they run their offense without Khalil Herbert. I would assume Tristan Ebner gets some more carries. And defensively for the Bears, I'm hoping to see a continuance of last week but no penalty. So, for example, I'm going to see Sanborn play more. I'm going to see Sanborn do what he did last week. Nine tackles, two sacks. That was an amazing performance. I don't want to see Jalen Johnson playing hurt because he got beat many a time. I want to see Eddie Jackson remember how to tackle again and cover again. <laughs> remember, you're facing Atlanta. You're not facing a great team. You're facing an offense that also is a work in progress with Marcus Mariota, who, by the way, is starting for the first time in like four years. I don't even know why or how he got this starting job. Got to watch out for Drake London, of course. Kyle Pitts, the tight end. They have a couple of decent guys. Zacchaeus, another. They have decent names, name recognition, some pieces, but none of these guys are amazing, except for maybe Pitts, a tight end. And they compare to what the Bears have, receiving-wise, they really do. They compare to what the Bears have at running back, and I think they're worse at QB. This is a pretty evenly matched matchup. I think the Bears have the slighter edge talent-wise, but because of last week, I'm not picking them to win. It's going to be close, another high-scoring game, but I think at the end of the day, they're going to fall just a little bit short. That's my take, at least. I think the final score is going to be 28-24. Falcons win. 28-24 is my pick on this one. Last week I said 33-30 Bears win. It's pretty close there. But 28-24 is my pick. The Bears will put up points. I fully believe it. Even without Herbert, I think they're still capable of at least functioning without him. I don't know how much it's going to affect them. We'll see on Sunday. But the defense is a gaping hole. We know this already. Roquan Smith is gone. Robert Quinn is gone. But... Again, we need to see better performance out of the secondary this weekend. Jalen Johnson cannot play hurt. Eddie Jackson needs to remember how to tackle. Can Sanborn 
built off of last week. These are things we're going to need to be watching defensively for the Bears. The defense should do well here. I don't see why it should be a struggle. I mean, you're facing Marcus Mariota. Force him to throw the football and you might get a pick. <laughs> Not kidding. Just force him to throw. Force Mariota to stand the pocket, be under pressure, and just throw the ball. You'll get a pick, guaranteed. There's a formula here for the Bears to win. There's a way to make Marcus Mariota be Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota's not even good to begin with. There's an opportunity for a win, no question. I think every week moving forward, with the exception of maybe one or two games, there's an opportunity for the Bears to win. I mean, that's a positive, too. Last year, we couldn't say that at all. It's nice to see that. It's nice to know the Bears could always be in contention. They have the talent. They have the ability. But it's a matter of do they want to quote-unquote, are they tanking or are they going to blow it because of inexperience, right? Trying to learn how to execute in close games. That's tough. I think this will be close. I think the Bears could give the Falcons a run for their money. I think it's going to be a very entertaining and exciting game. The Bears should win. They should be expected to win, but after last week, I won't expect that anymore. I think I put my expectations too high, frankly. I give the Bears too much credit on this season. That guy got caught up and forgot this is still a rebuild, and maybe they aren't trying to truly tank and get a better draft pick. I don't know. But I do know that last week they should have won. They blew the game. 14-point lead shrunk to nothing. That's pretty sad. That's not funny. That's not something we could praise. That's a big, big X on Matt Eberflus and the defense, undisciplined. All that stuff goes into it. But I digress. I've been told that tanking's okay. It'll still be a good game, though. It should be fun to watch. I think it's going to be close the whole time. It's going to be high scoring. It's going to be entertaining. And just remember this. We're going to remember one thing about these two teams and what they bring to the table are very similar. The Bears and the Falcons are super similar here. Both have mobile quarterbacks. Both have the running backs hurt. Both of them have kind of a same style of play. There are similarities. There are many parallels, even in this game and even last weekend's game, too. The Falcons, as a team, are very similar statistically to Detroit, yet on top of it, they have a running quarterback like the Bears, and they have no running back like the Bears now. These two teams are so similar. And I think the Bears at quarterback have such an advantage that they should win. But I learned my lesson after last weekend. I've learned. I'm not picking the Bears. If they win, that's great, but I'm not going to pick them. I'm not going to go through the heartbreak again of what happened last weekend. 28-24 is my final prediction. And just remember to tune in on Sunday for the live stream. We're going to be live. We're going to be broadcasting this game. And I would hope that it's at least as competitive as we think it'll be. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Benjamin Albright comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here for Townsend we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's an NFL insider, the host of Broncos Country Tonight at KOA 850 in Denver. Please welcome Benjamin O'Brien to the program. Benjamin, it's great to have you on. How are you? Hey, good to be back, John. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you for being here. Um, what did you make of the Bears-Lions game first off? 
Well, I think it's a shame they won. I mean, uh, you know, it's the Lions. You got to get you got to get a W off of that, right? Uh, the Lions don't have much defense. That's why they call them the Detroit Lions at this point. But um, you know, I, I thought uh, Chicago still got some things they've got to work on. Um, you know, I, the, the last couple of games after they retooled the offense, they started utilizing the legs of uh, uh, Justin Fields, something they should have been doing all along. But they started using the legs of Justin Fields. The offense has started to take off a little bit. They still got some deficiencies in the past game, though, and it, that's going to be a problem until they short the line, the receivers, and they get Justin Fields sped up as far as, uh, as processing the game. But, uh, you know, there's some promising signs there. Uh, if you go back and you look last year at the what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts, uh, a lot of it was with his legs there. Now, you know, ultimately they got to the playoffs. They figured out he couldn't throw and they, you know, they took it away from him over the offseason. They got the passing component installed and you see what the Eagles became this year. So there's hope there, um, you know, for Justin Fields. And as the, as the Bears continue this evaluation process of whether he's the franchise guy or not, uh, I, I think they're leaning in the direction that he is at this point. Um, I know fans like you know, don't like to hear me say that in that context, but it's the truth. I mean, I'd, I'd rather just, you know, I'll tell you hard truths and easy lies. Um, I, I think that, uh, there's there's optimism. There's certainly things to look at Justin Fields and say, okay, there's areas here where we can improve, and there's areas where he has improved. And you can take you can take solace in that. But uh, I think overall, this four game stretch, um, it's been certainly historic with his legs. But we need to see you know the throwing. When it comes down to, I need him to throw me a touchdown to win me a game. Show me that. And once he's got that, then we've got our guy. What's he still need to improve on specifically? Like when you watch him play, is there something you could point out and say this needs to get better? Well, it's kind of tough because you've got some receivers that drop a football. You got an offensive line that's not all that great. Um, so, so it's kind of tough to, to isolate that in a vacuum. But I will say his eyes are still a little slow. Uh, he's slow going through progressions. He's slow understanding what it is the defense is doing. That was the knock on him coming into the league. And again, I know fans don't want to hear that, but it is the truth. Um, has he got better about that since he's been in the league? Sure. And that comes with with time and with reps and everything else. Um, any anytime that you're uh, you get more reps on something, you get better, you get smoother, you get faster at it. So there's certainly some, uh, some positivity to take away from that, but he's not where he needs to be yet. Um, and, and that's, that's just a fact. Uh, will he get there? I don't know. Are you sold on his ability at this point to really be the franchise guy for the Bears? Uh, I wouldn't bet my job on it. No. Um, and, and that's the way I try to look at it. You know, can he get there? I, I absolutely believe he can get there. Do I believe that he will get there? That's, that's the million dollar question, or in this case, multi-million dollar question. If you're, uh, you know, Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poole, um, I, I think they're going to bet on him for next year, uh, and see if he takes that Jalen Hurts like leap. And if he does, then, then they look like geniuses. If he doesn't, then they look smart for having taken the extra year and done that. Although they'll get backlash from certain segments of the fan base for saying they sunk a year of Bears football into a guy that didn't get there. So the smart thing to do, I think at this point, based on what he's done over the last four games is give him another season uh, and try to build around him in the off season. Because if you build around him, it doesn't work. Well, then you've built around the quarterback position anyway, and you're going to plug and play probably another young guy in there anyway. So that's probably the smart thing to do when all said and done. Um, but you know, I, I, uh, no, I would not bet on him becoming the guy. I'm not going to bet against him. I'm just going to avoid that bet altogether at this point. <laughs> you know, a lot of Bears fans have already said he is the guy. But what's your response to them who say he's already there? He's nothing that needs to be improved upon. He's the guy already. Well, then I would say they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know, I mean, yeah, he's exciting and fun to watch, but so was RG3 for a year and a half, you know, and it wasn't just the injuries that tanked him. It was the fact that he got figured out. Um, I think that the Bears have changed the offense, and we're talking about four games. Give it give it another game or two. Let, let defenses kind of get enough tape on them to figure out what they're doing, and, and then when they counterpunch, you know, see what the Bears come back with. And that, that's the game is punch-counterpunch. And if you, see, um, if you see that, you see the defenses, you know, kind of figure them out, 
figure out how to contain him and all that kind of stuff and uh, and then figure out if he can evolve beyond that. And that's why I always like to use the Jalen Hurts comparison because he did. I didn't believe in Jalen Hurts that he proved he made me look like an idiot. Um, so, you know, I, can we get the same thing out of, out of Justin Fields? Maybe. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people, because I, you know, because I live in Denver specifically, uh, think that there's some kind of tie to the Broncos with all that. There isn't at all. I, that has nothing to do with any part of it. The Broncos were never drafting Justin Fields anyway. Like that was never a thing. So like for me, I'm trying to evaluate this independently and I wish people would stop dragging that portion of it into it. I think the thing to look at here is does this guy have the tools? Yes. Now, can he put those tools to work? Uh, and we've started to see that over the last four games. Will we see that um, once defenses have figured out how to defend what they're doing right now? Will we see uh, him take the next step beyond that and, and elevate the passing game to where it needs to be? That really is the, is the big question, and I look forward to seeing that answered one way or another. How similar would you say his trajectory is to Jalen Hurts? I mean, we see Hurts now obviously succeeding. The Eagles are doing great. Could you see something similar happen to Fields if things go right? Well, I would say that their timeline is similar. I mean, what has happened to them is similar. You got two two offensive coordinators that uh, uh, that have similar backgrounds, I should say, that that are working to try to maximize the traits of the guy that they have. With Hurts, the pro- the uh, the problems were a little bit different. It wasn't that the game was too fast for for Jalen Hurts. It was that he just was seeing an inaccurate passer. Uh, with Justin Fields, uh, there, there's some processing stuff. You've got to speed him up. You can speed him up. He's got the arm strength. He's you know he's got the legs to buy himself time and all that. Um, I, if you can speed him up, you, you might have something there. And that really is what it is. And that, that just comes with time. You know, that just comes with doing something. It comes with, with practice. So, um, you know, and, and that's the thing with a lot of quarterbacks. Either they get it or they don't. There are some guys out there that have all the tools in the world never get there. Um, but I think for Bears fans, they're probably excited because this is the toolsiest guy they've had that I can recollect ever. Um, and, and I think that uh, I think there's excitement because the baseline tools are there. The question is, in the end, does the, uh, does the player that he could be and the player that he is ever meet? Benjamin Albright here on Sports Talk Chicago. Benjamin, what's your take on the Bears' new regime at this point? Matt Eberflus is head coach, and Ryan Poles now at GM. Um, I haven't liked a lot of the decisions Ryan Poles has made so far. I, I got to be honest with you. Um, now that's that's not to say that you know. I mean, he's got a clean house, and he's got to you know reestablish what it is that he's going to do. So, you know, I, I to his to his credit, and and my looking at just the moves made so far, that's unfair to him. Um, Matt Eberflus, I always liked as a, as a coach. I've known him for a while. He's a good coach. Um, Luke Getzey was a guy the Broncos had looked at. Um, you know, he was a, he was a potential hire down here. Um, you know, he's a smart guy. Uh, I, I like what Getzey finally did. I wish he did done a little sooner, but I sort of get why they waited a little bit too. Uh, they waited till the middle of the season because they thought if they banked enough wins doing it the other way, then they can change the offense mid season and nobody has tape on it. And then they kind of, kind of ride that maybe into the playoffs or something, you know, early on. So I sort of get what they were doing. There's a 40 chess component to it. Um, but you know, I, I, part of me just wishes for fields development that we would have a clearer picture at this point, uh, than we do. We know what he can do with his legs. That's, that's phenomenal. But, uh, with the rest of it, you know, so I, I, I um, I think they're pretty good. I, I think that Iberflus will eventually get guys that fit his system in there and, uh, the defense will do a lot better because they've been letting the team down a little bit, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks, it's not really been the offense like it was early. How'd you feel about those trades the Bears made, too? They got rid of Robert Quinn and uh, Roquan Smith, and a lot of people here in Chicago are wishing they could have stayed since the Bears are playing well offensively. What'd you make of those moves? 
Um, I think that I probably wouldn't have made the Roquan move, uh, but I understand why they did it. They kind of had to, you know, they're at the point where, you know, he, he kind of forced his way out with Quinn. Yeah, I get it. Um, that, that was one I, I got. That was kind of coming. Um, and, and he doesn't really fit what it is that they want to do in the end. Anyway, you're kind of converting the defense and, and, and changing it over and turning it over to what, you know, Eberflus wants to do, which is going to be a little bit different. Um, the, what was the other trade they made? Claypool. I like the Claypool trade on its on its merit. I mean, you know, I mean, he's he's a, a an athletic player. He's more athlete than receiver. Um, he's a guy that needs to grow as well. And so, you know, I think um, I think I like that if they can grow him. Um, I, I don't, you know, stripping away all the receivers that they had and then adding him midseason felt a little weird. But I sort of get it uh, in terms of what they want to do offensively. Um, I, I think a lot of what they're doing this year is, is kind of writing things off and, and, and kind of trying to make a run. Maybe you know, maybe next year, year after. Um, if you were if you were looking at uh, how NFL teams like to build, you know, it's usually lose big, lose small, win small, win big, right? That's the four-year plan, right? Uh, or crawl, walk, run. And, and I would say that they're in between the qual- crawl and walk phase and they're in the lose small, you know, kind of win small. They hope to be in that phase uh, and they hope to be in that phase firmly next year in the win small phase. So, um, you know, they've got enough time. They're going to get a full three years. so They don't have to win this year. But, uh, you know, as, as far as uh, on its merits, adding a talented player, great trade. As far as uh, what they did this year and not adding anybody when they had other opportunities and then adding him midseason, a little head scratching. How do they start to run? I mean, they're going to have $140-plus in cap space this offseason. You're expecting them to spend some money, right? Yeah, and I expect it'll be up front, uh, both sides of the ball. I expect it'll be offense and defensive line. Um, I, you know, they'll go to the draft for some of the other stuff, but I expect the big money to be spent along the offensive and defensive line. And that's, that's the smart thing to do at this point. You strip this thing down, you've kind of figured out who your core players are to build around. Now it's time to build the trenches and then build around those other players. And, uh, uh, that, I mean, that's, you know, in the modern NFL, that's the smart rebuild philosophy. So, you know, good for them for doing that. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they hit on that or not, because you look at the Colts and what they spent on the offensive line, it didn't work for them. So, you know, you really, you got to make sure that if you're spending that kind of money that you're, you're spending it in the right places and getting quality guys out of it and not just throwing money at a problem. You think they could be a playoff team next year if they spend their money wisely and build up their roster based on what they already have too. Uh, yeah, Fields takes the next step as a passer, absolutely. Uh, because I, I think you're going to see in the next couple of weeks people figure out that ground game and how to contain it, and then they're going to force him to throw. You know, once they force him to throw, let's see where he's at. Um, if you know if he's able to if he's able to take that next step as a passer, absolutely be a playoff team, especially in that division where you've really got kind of the Vikings and nothing else. The Packers have fallen off a cliff. I know they came back against Dallas, but you can run on Dallas. They that, that, they knew that going in. Um, the, the question is whether the Packers can sustain that, and the, and the Lions just don't play defense as much as we you know it's a feel good story. Probably not if you're a Bears fan, but it's a feel good story around the league <laughs> to see the Lions you know having a little bit of offense. Uh, but if you if you can't you know if you can't play defense, what good is uh, what good is an offense? And you know the Detroit's still year two away so um yeah i think you could make the playoffs the, the nfc as a whole is kind of weak i mean the the, the east is kind of uh, putting together great records but the giants are, aren't as good as their record is um you know the, the eagles dallas washington you know they'll cannibalize each other a little bit and there's really not that many other teams the west has taken a dive off a cliff and the south is pathetic so um you know i i think if you're if you're good enough with the expanded playoffs yeah i don't see why the bears couldn't make the playoffs next year how do you explain the Green Bay Packers collapse? Just, I, I know, off Bears topic, how do you explain that collapse? Well, it's a combination of things. Um, you stripped away a large portion of that offensive staff. Uh, you know, Getze, Hackett, Otten, uh, those guys are all gone now. Um, you know, you, you, you've, you've, 
gotten rid of a lot of the receivers that uh, that Aaron Rodgers is familiar with and knows what to do with. It has the, the, the timing of the tempo down. Um, the offensive line has had some injuries. I think it's a combination. I don't think it's any one thing, and I don't think Rodgers is washed per se. But he's gotten a year older, and and you know, you, you like I said, you stripped away uh, an entire offensive staff you had to rebuild. Look at uh, look at Frank Reich. Look what happened in Indy after you know um, uh, Sirianni left and, and took that staff with him. You know, I mean, uh, the, the Colts weren't the same after that, and, and Frank Reich got fired uh, trying to build a new staff and build an offensive line. So, um, you know, the, that kind of stuff, it's, it's funny how that stuff happens. Uh, you know, you've got a staff intact. Kyle Shanahan's kind of put a process together that allows him to keep leading assistance, but eventually, you know, the well runs dry. And, and that's the thing. When you have success, everybody wants a piece of it, and that's what happens. You know, your staff gets, uh, you know, gets poached. You mentioned the Colts. Your tank on Jeff Saturday with no experience winning his first NFL game. I, I man, I mean, I liked it for a couple of reasons. Um, I liked it because you know every guy that, that ever has sat at home and played Madden now suddenly thinks he can coach in the NFL. You know, <laughs> oh, I've got no experience; I can win. Um, I liked it because uh, uh, you know it's it, the, the Colts' revenge game. You know, Josh McDaniels quit on them, and so you kind of got uh, you kind of got a revenge thing there. So that's fun. Um, you know, it's it's it was fun all the way around. Matt Ryan got back to starting and, and came back and had a good game. I just thought it was fun. And, you know, it's the Raiders. Bleep the Raiders. But is Josh McDaniels in trouble? Uh, he would be if the Raiders weren't broke. <laughs> I, I don't think they can afford to pay another coach. I think that's sort of the problem. The Raiders are broke, and I'm not sure they can afford to, to, to pay another coach. They're one of the cash most cash poor teams in the league. So, um, you know, I'm not. I, I think he would be gone at the end of this year if they can afford it. I'm not sure they can afford it, and that's sort of the problem. So, um, I, from what I understand, that that locker room, the offense is kind of in revolt. He's already kind of sort of lost the locker room with all you know his his extra work nonsense and not getting any wins. So we'll see. I, I think he's on thin ice. Did you see that coming? Because, I mean, he was the Broncos coach back in the day, too. Yeah, he's a train wreck. He's terrible. He's not a good head coach. Uh, he's a great football mind, but he's not a head coach. And, and he, he he doesn't have uh, any positive reinforcement to what he does. He expect guys to work long hours, holidays, all this kind of stuff, uh, beat themselves up, and never gives thanks to anybody. You know, it's all about him and his genius and everything else. He never gives compliments out, never pats anybody on the back, never there, that kind of coach. And he's just not. And, you know, he learned that from Bill Belichick. And Bill's got the cachet to get away with it. And also Bill had Tom Brady there that could cover all manner of sins. You know, Derek Carr is a pretty good quarterback, but he's no Tom Brady. And that's sort of the problem. You know, I mean, you just you, you don't have a defense. You're not going to be able to get away with that. And so in the end, I think, uh, you know, this was predictable. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels has always worked guys to the bone. And when you're not getting wins, they kind of give up on that. What a combo, Benjamin Albright. In just a moment, stay tuned. Vincent. Or talk Chicago. Benjamin Albright still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Benjamin, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the Broncos. What do you make of their season right now, too? It's a disappointment for sure. Um, there were high expectations coming into this thing. The talk all offseason was this offense, Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson. Um, you know, I, I think everybody's writing, prematurely writing Russell Wilson's obituary. I've seen him in practice. I saw him in practice in training. Yeah, Russ ain't washed. Um, it, it's a combination of this offense and the injuries he's got. Um, and so I think next year, if they, if and when they hire a new coaching staff, uh, I think they'll do better at, at, at doing what Russ does best and, and, and kind of framing things up to where he does the best. Um 
This season, though, wild disappointment, especially you've got the number one defense in the NFL and the number 32 offense. That's a phenomenon that hasn't happened since the 1940s with the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> um, we've had it happen the opposite way. We've had the number one offense and uh, in, in the last defense, like the 2000 Rams. Um, but uh, but we've never seen a phenomenon like that where you've had the the, the worst offense in the league paired with the best defense. Uh, if this team could just score 18 points in every game, they'd be eight and one right now. That's how bad the offense is and how good the defense is. And uh, there's there's a lot to build on, but there's some some serious hard feelings about the way the offense is underperforming right now. You said up and went on the coaching staff is Coach Hackett on the hot seat. Oh, very much so, very much so. And I would be shocked if he was back next year. Um, it's it's just uh, this offense is just in over its head, and he continues to give the same platitudes over and over about, uh, well, we need to be accountable. Well, accountable to who? Because you're losing, and it doesn't appear like you're accountable. You you came out of the bye week and and had two weeks to prep for the Tennessee Titans, who aren't exactly the most three dimensional team in the world, and put up ten points. Uh, I understand their defense is all right, but dude, you put up ten points, seven of which came on a an audible from the quarterback and a busted coverage, uh, and that was it. Like the rest of it, you got a field goal running your offense, dude. You got to figure stuff out. And he had the opportunity to turn over play calling, wouldn't do it, um, and that was what saved. I hate to keep going back to the Eagles as an example, but that's what saved Nick Sirianni. You know, last year everybody told Nick Sirianni he looked like he was in over his head. They were making fun of him nationally. The Eagles were an embarrassment. They were like three and six, and he turned play calling over Shane Steichen, stepped back, and sure enough, they took off and. You know, I, he had the opportunity to do that and didn't do it. Uh, and so now I think he's going down with the ship. How do you explain this bad performance from Hackett? I mean, he's a good offensive mind, did well in Green Bay. Why hasn't it translated out in Denver? Yeah, I think you just got different quarterbacks. You know, you've got a different uh, different offense, different guys, different set. You know, you've got a, you've got a situation where uh, you just, you're, you're not able to run what it is that you've wanted to run for a long time. You don't have the offensive line that's able to block for all these long developing plays that they have. And they, yeah, they want to throw the deep ball. Cool. That's nice. But they don't have the offensive line to block for that. And, uh, and so that's been a problem. Benjamin, before we finish up today, last question. Um, why don't you like pumpkin spice Cheerios? <laughs> I don't like pumpkin spice anything. First of all, it's not pumpkin. <laughs> Second of all, uh, if I wanted nutmeg and cinnamon, I just get nutmeg and cinnamon. So, uh, pumpkin spice <laughs> lattes, Cheerios, all of it. Uh, you, you get, you can throw. The best way to enjoy a pumpkin spice latte is to uh, just to take a lid off and then pour it directly into the sink and then throw the cup away and get a drink that a man will drink. Love it from Benjamin Albright. Thank you so much. Always appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to reconnecting very soon. Best wishes over in Denver for sure. Absolutely, yeah, sticker. Talk there with Benjamin Albright. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the Tar